Are you single, dating, engaged? Maybe you're even married. Welcome to the month of love. This is the FYI podcast. We're your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. We're in a series the whole month of February called Love, Sex, Dating, and Waiting. These episodes in this series are presented by our partners at Covenant Eyes. If you want to experience freedom from the shame and the chains of pornography, Covenant Eyes is an accountability software that is so amazing. You can get your first month free with promo code YOUNGADULTS, Y-O-U-N-G, A-D-U-L-T-S, no spaces, YOUNGADULTS at CovenantEyes.com or use the link in the show notes. Yeah, and if you want to take your singleness dating engagement to the next level and bring Christ back into the center, you have an opportunity to check out MicahKennelly.com where you can get your very first leather-bound journal, which is specifically designed to help you center your life around Christ in your singleness dating engagement and even your marriage for your friends who are wondering how you're doing it. You get to journal to your future spouse and give this to them on your wedding night where you get to pray, journal, read scripture, and learn how to fast for your future spouse. It's amazing. Again, MicahKennelly.com while supplies. $10 off, you guys. And here's our newest conversation on the FYI podcast. Ah, well, happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're having an awesome Friday thus far. This is the FYI podcast. My name is Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. This is where we take your questions on the FYI podcast. We talk about what it means to follow Jesus as a young adult. Mm -hmm. And man, we cover things like your questions, adulting, faith and life and finances. And this month, our mini series all month is going to be on relationships. And so we're going to talk, as Micah says, about love, sex, dating, and waiting. Mm -hmm. And we have some special guests, our friends, Sam and Madison Novak. How are you guys? Welcome to FYI. We're doing good. good. Thanks so much for having us, guys. We're excited Mm -hmm. to be here. Oh my gosh. We are thrilled to have you. And we would just love for maybe you both to kind of unpack this first question. We'd love for you to lean into maybe how you met and your perspective. Because there's two sides to every story, right? So true. So ladies first, Madison, do you want to kick us off? Yes, we definitely, this is definitely the question where I'm like, yeah, why don't you tell us how we met? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I was, before we, we now live in in Nashville, but we met in Minneapolis. And um, when we were living there, I was a worship pastor at our church and he had just moved to the cities and, um, showed up to church and saw a cute girl singing on stage and um, he found me on Instagram and all the things that you do when you're 20 something. Mm -hmm. And um, he, I think you just like slid in a little bit in the DM. It was just kind of like a knock on the door. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm here. But it wasn't like, Hey, I'm Sam, whatever. No, nothing like that. Um, But I noticed him and then I think a couple months went by and not, I didn't really hear much from him or anything like that. But um, after one of our big high school events, uh, he posted something in hopes that I would see it. And I did. And I responded to it. <laughs> and we started talking. And then I was like, you know what? Let's not do this over social media. Let's just get together in person and we can go from there. So then we went for a walk around the lake and got ice cream and the rest is history. Yeah, that's how it started out. <laughs> that's my perspective. I mean, I definitely like, I don't know, when you, someone just follows you on social media, I was like, oh, he's cute, whatever. But I wasn't expecting any, I don't know, I wasn't expecting anything. Yeah, and that was totally out of my like comfort zone. I always yeah. said that the person I married was going to be someone that I met in person and like went up and talked to and initiated things and everything like that. And then I saw her and I was like, well, I don't know when I'll have that opportunity. Uh, I don't even know anything about her, but was able to find her on social media and yeah, things kind of took off from there and Madison kind of summed up the rest of that um, into kind of our fall dating stage. Yeah, for sure. And you guys got married May of 23. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So we're at what, nine months now? Almost nine months. Yeah. It's amazing. And <clears throat> for the listener, just to to let you know, the first person I think outside of Micah and I, I really think it was Sam who knew about 
the FYI podcast launching. And I was like, hey, is this a good idea? What do you think? Poke holes in it, ask questions, give feedback. And um, that's just been fun and special. And even launching Young Adults Today as a nonprofit, like you have just been um, a part of the journey since, I mean, even pre just idea. And again, hey, what do you think about this? And I know that um, one of the most frequently DM'd and asked questions is about relationships. And there's a part of your story we're going to just dive into as newlyweds, what your journey you guys have has been like. And you've navigated a cross-country move and would love to, I mean, catch, catch us up on that. Yeah, it's been uh, a crazy first year of marriage. Within uh, three weeks, we were talking about a career change and moving across the country and everything like that. So like that whole first year of wedding bliss, like yeah. nothing actually going on, living yep. in a bubble thing, <laughs> uh, wasn't super true for us. We got back from our honeymoon and that night there was like a young adult gathering that we got to go be part of and everything. So we hopped back in the real world very quick from our wedding and our honeymoon. Um, and then fast forward, a career change did happen. And then we eventually moved down here to Tennessee. Um, and that led to another career change this time for Madison. So there's been a lot of change. Of yeah. All of um, my in-laws, Madison's family and friends kind of being in the Minneapolis area and my family's all over. So we're just kind of down here figuring things out. But yeah. like there's a beauty to that that we're, yeah. we love figuring out. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you guys we're able to discover that together to have the career change transition of moving. And what people don't necessarily talk about in the first like year of marriage is something that we learned during our pre-marriage mentoring with some of our people that spoke into our life, one couple in particular. Mm-hmm. And they had talked about delayed stress. Like delayed stress is a form of stress that comes about three to four months after you say I do. And That for us, that was, okay, we got married in June and by October, like Josiah had hit a wall and delayed stress is anything from the engagement to the wedding planning, to the day itself, to the honeymoon. For me, I had kidney stones, like literally the day back we got back from our honeymoon. So I was hospitalized and then, and then you move in with your, your roommate that you chose for life and you're like picking up on their patterns and their habits and things that they don't realize they do and things you realize that you don't do and like all these things, right? So there's this wave of delayed stress. I would just be curious, like what is one thing, maybe it's a delayed stress aspect that you guys had never heard of, or maybe you've hit a wall, but what has surprised you thus far in like the first year of marriage that maybe you weren't necessarily expecting about yourself or that you're willing to share about each other? I mean, when people, people have asked me this question before, like what surprises you the most? And my like funny answer is that I didn't realize how much football he watches <laughs> because I, I mean, I knew he was a football fan, but oh my gosh, I was like, can we watch anything else? <laughs> it's only um, a couple months out of the year. It's true. But no, I would say, um, I definitely have ex- like, have experienced the delayed stress from like after we got married and even months later, I was surprised that the, like the season of wedding planning and engagement was still like weighing on me. Um, And then with all the, with all the change and all that stuff, that was just a lot, but I would say probably something I was surprised by in marriage. Everyone talks about um, the big sacrifices that you'll have to make. And that marriage is sacrifice and all those things. But and I knew that, so I, was, I wasn't surprised, but I think I was surprised a little bit by how much even just like small sacrifices you have to make, even in just like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my need to be right for this thing or, um, you know, my need to have this go my way or just the little relational things like that where you just experience with people that you spend <laughs> so much time with mm-hmm. in your life with, but... Yeah, it's one of those things that people prep you for, but just the little things that you don't really talk about in like premarital or that, you know, you don't really spend much time working through because they're so small, they can just be missed. I think that's one of the things that I've, that I've been thinking on like the last couple of weeks is like with your biggest surprise about marriage and whatnot. And we get the question like, how's the first year of marriage and everything like that. Um, and just kind of like chewing on that a little bit. 
I think what I've realized, like what makes the best things about marriage are also what make it the hardest things. And it comes down to like sharing, like you get to share every part of yourself with a person, but then there's those times where you don't want to, and that's too much. And you have to push yourself and you're like, well, I want to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. But that's the part that you have to choose to give away or just a little acts of service where like, it's fun to get to serve her and do things that are going to lighten her load or when she's had a rough day make things easier. But there's also days where I'm like, I really don't have that in my tank today either. So it's like a, a balance of all the things that make marriage beautiful. And I think that's why it transforms into what also makes it difficult, but yeah, um, just getting to invest in that and, and anchor in. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And for some of our listeners, they like to hear funny stories, even from Josiah and myself or from, from the, the people that we talked to. And I will say like, even it wasn't, we weren't married, but we were dating. And one thing that Josiah realized is like, I, at age 25, I realized I said, realized I had a gluten intolerance and I could not eat gluten. Like it just, the worst side of me comes out. It's just not good. It's just like the angry side or whatever. And everyone knows what gluten-free is in 24, uh, 2024, <clears throat> but this is 10 years 2015, ago. 2015, yeah. 2014, 2015, when we met and started dating. And I thought a gluten intolerance. I thought that sounded like a pretty serious medical challenge. <laughs> On his behalf. Let's just be real. You almost didn't date me because of that. He's like, you know, I almost didn't date you because you ate gluten free. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you shallow or what? You know, but, so he shared his heart and I'm like, okay, what? I'm telling you. Your food is smoothies, isn't it, Josiah? Say that again. After your meals are smoothies, aren't they? Like, where's where's the <laughs> gluten? I have two meals a day and half of them are the same thing every day. So. And he's a simple man. Wow. I could eat chicken every day. Give me a steak. I'll be happy. And I'm like, okay, I can eat those two things. Like, hello. But this is my point. Like if you go to any restaurant in 2015 so and, and there was like, what's gluten-free? Like, uh, and that's how I was. I was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, that sounds so intense. And gluten is grain. Essentially. It's, it's like wheat. Wheat, barley, rye, you know. It's, but it's found in everything. So if it's like you can get a toothpaste and gluten can be in your toothpaste. It can be in your makeup. It can be in all these different, it should be your shampoo. So it's just, it was just a funny fact that I was just like, whoa, like, do I want to date this guy? That's pretty shallow. But I was like, okay, reality check. He was willing to admit it. We had the conversation and had to just like lay it out there for him. But so if the listener who's apprehensive to date somebody due to something, have a conversation that might be a little un- uncomfortable before you ask them to be in a relationship with you. I don't know. Understand them better <laughs> or what they're in or what they might have. Get good at asking questions. That's and if right. you don't understand or know, just ask. That's right. I think that's so you huge. understand so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about, okay, so here, here's the curveball. Micah, her favorite topic is relationships. Ooh. Love, sex, dating, waiting. Um, she wrote a book called Worth the Wait. If you could each ask her or us one question, what would it be? Hmm. You want to take it? Uh, I want you to go first. Okay. I th- um, what would you guys say is the biggest mistake that maybe the young adult generation is making um, as a couple? And that could be dating, engaged, married, just kind of in that early stage of building a foundational relationship. What do you see us doing that is, you're like, I don't, I don't know how that one's going to pan out or I would advise against that. Yeah. I have a couple of thoughts. Go for it. I think, I think for me, what I've seen a lot of women who are willing to like hand over the calling that God has for them just to follow a man, because they think a man is going to complete them. When in reality, your partner that you choose should compliment you, like compliment your personality, your spiritual gifts, encourage you, all those other things. So I've seen a lot of women say, I will get to that later in life. But then I see they get divorced for the first five years, or they put their calling on hold and say, I will do that when fill in the blank, or they're dating and I'll become a better woman of faith when I marry a man. And they put their life on hold in hopes that a man is going to be everything that they've been lacking in Christ. So I think that's one thing that I would say, like just to advise people for. And if if you're both claiming to walk with the Lord, what are you sacrificing in the process? Like 
those preferences we put aside, but when you sacrifice your relationship with Jesus and you supplement it for somebody that you're dating or you want to date or a false hope or the somebody that you're married to, you are going to be disappointed every day of the week. And you're going to hate the life that you've chosen if Christ is not number one in your personal walk, which is um, detrimental because when we do get to heaven, we will have an account and we will have to stand before the Lord face to face. I'm not going to be hand in hand with Josiah or my mom and dad or family. It is a one-on-one meeting with the Lord saying, wow, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Or Micah, you didn't steward what I've given you. Like you didn't take your relationship with me to the fullest. So I've seen a lot of women put dreams and aspirations on hold or sacrifice their relationship with Jesus in hopes that a man will be the supplement that answers every question and every void and every daddy problem that they've ever had. So, and that can be, even if you're in marriage, his devotion life is not my devotion life. Mine is mine. So I would say there's a, that spiritual component is definitely something that you need to be solid in your singleness. So when you do get married, you are two 100% whole people in Jesus coming together to make 200%, not 50-50. And you're dragging somebody to church and dragging somebody into your spiritual walk. But to know that they are solid, you are solid, and you are the best version of yourself on the day that you start dating, the day you say I do, and continue to grow closer to Christ side by side instead of apart like this as time goes on. Because we see a lot of this we're like yeah i love jesus and then it's like oh i'm not doing everything instead of running the race side by side or hand in hand towards the father so that's what i would say i I love to ask a follow-up on that yeah okay just because i love where your heart's at and this and the passion behind it what would you say to the person male or female who might be in that relationship right now and hearing this podcast and going I don't know if I did that. I don't know if I entered in this relationship at hundred percent and maybe they're dating and maybe they're married and that could look a whole lot different. Mm-hmm. But what you say is there um, reconciliation coming through that? Um, how do they make that work right now? Or what would you say to them? Yeah, that is a great question, Sam. I would say for the listener who is in a relationship, but not yet married, you are single until the moment you say, I do. Even if you're walking down that aisle yep. and there's something in your spirit that says no, I would say stop and look like a fool yep. in that moment, but save your life, save yourself for a life of misery. Yep. Um, so I'm like, you're you're single until you say I do. So for the married person, I would say you chose that person to be with. And I would say if you find yourself, maybe you feel like, wow, I, I settled. I think I just compromised my calling. I I don't know if I'm really walking with the Lord. They're not. So how can I, I would say, I would say, begin praying that you become the best version of yourself and start praying that you love your spouse and the Lord more than you ever could before. If they're following the Lord, that's great. Let them in on that journey of saying like, Hey, I have not taken ownership over my walk with the Lord and I need to own that. And I'm, I'm sorry. And as a spouse, I want to step up to the plate and take full responsibility of mine and yours. And can you walk alongside me in that? And if one is walking with the Lord and the other is not, I would say, start praying for that spouse that is not walking with the Lord. Instead of saying, Lord, change them. I think you need to start with what Stormy, um, what she's, Martin, or I think you're saying her name is, she wrote a book praying for your spouse or praying for your husband. And she talks about the importance of so many women like, yeah, Lord change my spouse. No, she actually begins a chapter with Lord change me, change me as the wife. So I can uphold my spouse and God, you change him in your time. So the, the change me, I think is a good prayer for the person who's fully not in a, or not married yet. I would say you can pump the brakes at any moment and you can reevaluate. Does your life line up? Do you have the same belief system? Where is your faith? Um, do you need to take a break from that relationship or do you need to break that relationship off? So I think there's this elements where people don't slow down enough to take a personal inventory of their calling, the person's calling. And if they're headed in the same direction in life, uh, for some, it just, it doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, then maybe that's a no. And one thing I think Andy Stanley says perfectly is the moment you find yourself having to convince yourself to stay in a relationship, that is the moment that 
is probably that you need to get out or you shouldn't start that relationship. Because if you have to convince yourself and you can take that anywhere from a job to a cross country move, because the person that you choose to be with and God has designed for you, you will have peace. There will be clarity. Your friends hopefully spoke into that process. You will have spiritual guidance. And the first year of marriage, I'm sorry to say this, for the people who feel like that was like the year from hell, I'm sorry. For us, I'm like, the first year I was waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm like, what's going to surprise me? I'm like, this is awesome. Like, why should marriage be so hard? Is it hard on my character and me growing? Yeah, because I'm dying to myself, not only to God every day, but to somebody I love. And I have to put some things aside. So I would say it's never too late for the person who's only dating. If you, It is too late if you said I do because you've chosen to love that person. So continue to choose and love that person, even if they are not following Christ or reciprocating that love, because God can and will change elements and dynamics of the relationship. So I love what you said there. It's never too late. That's mm-hmm. such a powerful sentence, because I think of uh, a love story in, in the scripture which is Samson and Delilah. And Samson was one of the judges who ruled Mm. the people of Israel nearly 20 years. And he had this wife who he loved. He had this woman and she was taken from him. And sometimes we skip that. Like he, he was wronged. And so then he's like, fine, I'll go. I want a Philistine. I want this Delilah girl. And so he goes down and heads meets, meets this gal and, and, Many people know, even from like the romance songs, Samson and Delilah. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that what's crazy is she really is is used by her people to to get after Samson, who can like kill a thousand Philistines with a jawbone. And he he has the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. But the secret to his strength was his hair. And finally, he relents like he gives in. But even, mm-hmm. even after he gave in, even after he settled, so the, to the person who settled, it's never too late to the person who's in a marriage that maybe they wish that they could have a restart on. It's never too late because even when Samson got his mm-hmm. eyes gouged out, even when he was in prison, mm-hmm. he asked that the spirit would return to him and his hair did grow back. His strength did come back. Yeah. And so I would just say whether that's to the person who's single and maybe you've made some decisions that Mm -hmm. you're not proud of or that you are not excited to tell, look, there's a redemption story. God is in the, he's the giver of futures. He's the redeemer of futures. He's the restorer of futures. And I think we're just here to tell you today that even if you're in a marriage that's unhappy, that it's never too late, that Mm -hmm. God can always help your strength grow grow back. He is your strength. He is your source Mm -hmm. and your hair can grow back. And I think that that's just a powerful reminder that it's never too late and that there's always a future with God. Um, Micah, you kind of started to allude to something that I actually was, so maybe you answered part of my question already, but um, I feel like everybody in the world now talks about how important it is to them to find, to find the one, mm-hmm. the big, big term. And this one that we've talked about a lot, like even in dating and um, just the perspective, I would love to hear your guys' perspective on um, the difference between like people's importance to them finding the one, like I need to find the one. Does God have the one for me versus like, no, I'm going to choose this person and what that looks like and kind of where we've maybe gotten it twisted or confused. Um, just what your guys' perspective is on that. Kind yeah. of a broad. First. I think it's a hundred percent choice. Yeah. I, I think that the, the one is real when you choose them, when you say mm-hmm. I do, they become the one. So, you know, it is, is there this perfect person? There's no, no one's perfect. Right. And all you have to do is like, Micah knows some of the patterns about me that I don't even know about myself. Like Sam earlier joked about eating. Like I do intermittent fasting. I have the same lunch 95 plus percent of the time. And so he knows, he knows some of the patterns about (laughs) me. So all it takes is dating or being friends with a person or being in community, you know, patterns about your roommate 
that you what's your joke you're like they're they're preparing you for marriage they're preparing you for marriage <laughs> one of my roommates she was irritating me and i was like you're preparing me for marriage and she's like you're preparing me for marriage and i'm like okay it's actually really good because yeah i learned a lot about myself <laughs> that's true oh my like, gosh any other thoughts on the one the one i would say like if people believe like in like finding your soulmate i don't necessarily believe in like there's one and only one in this whole test of time that you're searching the word, the world to and fro to have this perfect, magnificent match. Like, I don't believe that. I think there are many opportunities and many suitors along the way. And in that, I would say if when you open yourself up to, to the heart of Christ, you say, Lord, like, you know, me better than I know myself. There are things that from a distance, like I would have never been like, yep, Josiah is the one, like, he knows what I need, not only what I want, because if he would have answered my prayer of Lord, because I made this mistake, even just praying for my future spouse when I was early in my twenties, I was dating somebody that I should not have been dating. And I was like, Lord, make him the one, make him the one, make him the one. And in reality, I should have said, Lord, is he the one prepare me for the one that you have? Because when you're already in a relationship and they're not good and godly, and they're not following Christ, we should not be saying, Lord, make them the one before we even say I do. We should be praying, Lord, show me the one. Like, show me, you know what I need more than I know that I need, like from personality to patience, to skill sets, to just like their demeanor, because I'm a lot more high strung than Josiah. Like he's like the peacemaker and walks in the room and I'm like, like I'm probably just like, <laughs> a high strung one that's just like, is everybody having fun? Like I got to make sure that everybody's having fun. We're good so, for each other. Yeah. We balance. <laughs> and I do believe that when you do put yourself out there and make yourself available to be pursued or to pursue somebody, I mean, you have to be get ready for rejection, but it's also like you're, you invite God into that process of saying, okay, so-and-so showing interest in me, Lord, if they are, if this is not a good and godly relationship and we're heading in direct different directions, make that very clear. Like give me peace or just disrupt my day and like make my spirit agitated to recognize like, wow, I would be settling or I'm trying to make this person the one. But in reality, like I'm so glad that God did not answer half of my prayers in the dating world that I prayed for and over myself about myself. Like I think he saved me from me in so many ways when I started inviting him in, I can now look back and be like, wow, Lord, thank you for not answering every ridiculous prayer I prayed when it came to a man, because anybody can settle. So I would say you do get to choose the one, but pray to God that they choose you for the right reasons, not just the thought of you, but the actual, all of you. So I think inviting God into relationships at any stage is just so important. When we had first started dating we were going out for a couple months and I I remember like praying a prayer that I thought I eventually regretted and now I can see like the full circle um effects of it but I prayed and I was like God if if this isn't right right now then then take it away from me and yep. the next time we hung out <laughs> was gonna be the last time we hung out for a while um but I think that was like a refining time for yeah. us to grow uh in our walk with the Lord I definitely mm -hmm. had some maturing to do and figuring out my spiritual um, disciplines and, and my own personal walk with God and not relying on her or anything like that in my time. And then when we kind of, our paths crossed again, praying like, God, if, if this is, I don't know what this sounds like to listeners, but I was like, if this isn't the person I marry, then don't let it go anywhere beyond this. Like, right. I want to know right now, if, if this is something that you see going to the aisle, then, then I want to be in. But if it's going to end in a heartbreak or hurt or anything like that, like, I don't want I don't want any part of it from the beginning on. Yeah. Oh, so good, Sam. I think the one thing for the listener to keep in mind that you can pray to God. One, he knows the desires of your heart. So he doesn't put the gift or like the, the desire for marriage in our heart to tease us. We have an opportunity as humans to invite God into our singleness to help tame us. So taming our dreams, taming a dream does not mean like, I'm going to set it to the side and hope it dies. No, taming means I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to work through the hurts, hurdles, and hangups so I can become the best version of myself if or when that person does cross my paths. So I'm ready for that person when they do ask me out that I'm, I'm healthy, like spiritually, emotionally, yep. physically yep. in tune with the spirit. And when you do ask God into it, uh, I think the word that comes to my mind for the listener is like, pray for confirmation, meaning that when confirmation, like you have prayed, Sam, like, Lord, just confirm if this is of you, confirm it. 
if it's not of you, take it away. And that's okay to pray. And I think so many times I, I personally pray very black and white because I'll always try to convince myself of something. Yes, I really need that. Or yes, like, or justify. So I think when you invite God into it and you do fully surrender, it's just a beautiful opportunity for him to direct it and mend and heal people along the way. So talk for a second. Uh, Sam, you go first. And then Maddie, um, I would just be curious for, for you guys talk about your personalities and how you see them like complement each other. Ooh, that's good. So you say your personality and how you think it complements mine or. Yeah, I like that. Okay. I like that. That's cool. I'm definitely like the, the Enneagram seven, like make the most out of every opportunity. If something's coming up, I'm not saying no to it or having a very hard time doing that. And so my calendar is always overbooked. My tank is usually empty. Um, but I love experiences and people and getting to connect and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very like on to the next thing all the time. There's always more to be doing and more to be filling the day with, um, which Madison's side is a lot more slow and at a pace and she knows how to relax and rest and just be okay with that. Where previously if I spent a Saturday just like sitting at home I would think that was torture and I would be like my whole weekend was wasted now I just have to look forward to the next Friday to like do double time and make up for it and wake up at six o'clock just to to have a full day whatever Mm -hmm. it was but that's one of the ways that I think that we really balance each other out is just the pace of life of she slows me down and then I'm able to kind of help stretch her yeah that's very true I I feel like there's, there's most, most of the time it's like a, Hey, it's okay if we rest. And then he's like, but Hey, it's okay. If we also go out and do like, it is a give and take. Cause sometimes I would be fine having the whole weekend, just doing this and just resting. And, but it's it definitely is a good balance. I feel like another way that, um, his, his personality balances out mine. I'm a very, um, how do I say this? I'm, I'm a lot more anxious. I'm a lot more like I overthink things. Um, I am a lot more introverted in group settings. So usually I can tend to like hide behind Sam because he's the more outgoing, talkative one. He's really good at starting conversation with people. Um, and I just can overthink everything (laughs) in situations like that. Um, so he has been really good for me to just like his, he's a lot more outgoing. He can challenge me in that. Um, and he's also like kind of pressed a little like, Hey, why? Like there's certain things that it's okay if you're more introverted and quiet and that's okay. That's who you are. But there's things that it's, you don't have to feel anxious about this. You don't have to, um, feel held back by this because he, he knows my actual personality, what I actually I'm like, so it's, it's been good to have that side of him kind of pull out the combo. Not maybe this is less of a kind of compliments, but it, it does. I feel like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. That's one of the biggest parts I feel like are the things that stick out to me when it comes to like how we balance each other out, how we challenge each other, how we complement each other's personality. Yeah. yeah. What about for each of you? I, what I know of you guys is that being a part of a community and church, even like Sam, you've moved, you've lived in a few States Mm -hmm. and, and now even in your marriage, you guys have lived in two different States, but you fought really hard for community and really been really intentional about surrounding yourself with godly community. And then offering that community to people who need it and, and being that being there for others and sharing your faith, but talk about in marriage, um, and it might even go back to singleness, but why is community mm-hmm. and being a part of a church, why is that important in young adulting? I mean, something that I think about that you've actually, maybe the first time I heard it was from you and your best friend, Adam, but they just talked a lot about, um, it's almost impossible to like be a Christian on your own, like to do it alone. It's it's a lot harder to just try and go about it on your own. 
um, especially at this, like this age, you're trying to figure everything out. You have so many questions about your life. You have like, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I supposed to do this life with? Like, I just maybe got out of high school. What do I do next? Like, or I just got out of college. What do I do next? Like, there's a lot of like life transition and, um, not only is it important to like have people in your life who are in the same stage of life as you, but people, especially if you're pursuing, if you're pursuing God, like finding somebody, finding a group of people who are after the same thing um, and who can support you in that, because it can be really lonely if, if you don't have that, if you're mm -hmm. trying to figure out all your life changes and transitions, um, trying to do that on your own, but also like, trying to pursue God on your own, maybe in, in the midst of people who aren't doing that, that can feel isolating or, um, also people who, who aren't pursuing God either, like they can drag you down too. So that's, I feel like it's just so important because it's not, it's a lot harder to do it almost impossible on your own without mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, and where you like talk about looping people into that, into that community. And once we find it, like, I think it's because of the experience that I've had. Madison moved out to California um, for a little bit of school. And so I'm sure she had a similar experience, but I'd moved down to Minneapolis and been like, okay, I don't know basically a soul. I had a roommate um, and we had a mutual friend and I quickly saw like the relationships that I wanted to pursue and the friendships that I wanted to pursue when I got down to the cities and it's so much easier to just fall into going to the bars or the concerts or whatever else it is and meeting people there because it's a social aspect. People are there to socialize and hang out and everything. It's a lot harder to walk into a church and go to someone that you might have a similar interest with and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend? Like, It's vulnerable and it's scary. Wow. But ultimately, I think why I'm so passionate about Christian community, like Madison said, I don't think that you can be a dedicated Christ follower and stick with it without people yeah. um, speaking in. And I think the quality of friendships and relationships that you get out of it, I mean, if they're striving to follow Jesus and live out the life that he's taught us to, then that's going to have implications on your life as well, not only as iron sharpening iron, mm -hmm. but um, not in like a selfish way, but hey, are you going to answer the call when, when I call you at 12 o'clock or are you going to be able to hear me out and give me hard truth when I'm not loving Madison the way that I need to be? Or if you're seeing an area in my life that, that I'm faltering in and you know, the person I want to be, I want someone who's got that voice to speak into that or a community to come alongside and, and push me in the right direction. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, I love community. That's community and relationships are like my two favorite things to talk about. So the fact that we get to do <laughs> both right now is filling me up. Right up your alley. Yeah. I love that. And I think sometimes we forget like singleness can be lonely, but you can also be in a lonely marriage. For sure. And when you isolate yourself, one lie I think that like many single people believe once all their friends get married, when you're on the married side, you realize like, oh my gosh, like none of my single friends want to hang out with me anymore. And I remember being single thinking that my married friends don't need me anymore because they have a spouse, like they don't need it. We all need communities. Right. We all need to have sisters in Christ, brothers in Christ, couples in Christ. And one thing that Josiah and I have been praying for since we've been married, essentially, is Lord, like who are our friends 30 years and beyond? Like we want to build lifelong friendships now, not lifelong acquaintances, but like, I mean, there's a study done with statistics of men. And it was, if, if your car oh broke God. down on the side of the road at two in the morning, who, how many, who, how many people would you be able to call? And like in the, I don't know, what was the seventies? In like, the sixties, it was like five on average. That you could call five of your friends that you know would show up. And when the study was done a few years ago, that stat of five went down to zero. Yep. There's men they are like, I have nobody to call. Like, I yeah, you can change your own tire and all that. But it's like, when poop hits the fan, who do you call? There, These men are saying, I nobody, zero. So that's just saddening to me of saying like, hey, we should be the best version of the church as Christ followers. And people should want to come through those doors and want to be our friends, not run the other direction that we extend a hand of invitation, right? So I would even say for the, maybe the, the single person listening who's maybe scared or timid to 
say yes to a date or maybe afraid to walk through the church doors, you both can answer this. And I would just love to hear if you could just encourage the listener, maybe they walk through like a disappointment or a breakup and there's a heartbreak that they're just kind of navigating. What's one piece of advice that you would want to give that listener today? Uh, chances are <laughs> the listener is sick of hearing this, but press into God during that time. Like if you're looking to a person to fill that, it's just going to lead to more heartbreak. If you look to a substance to fill that, uh, it's just going to lead to more, more hurts in your life and to the people around you. And so I would, I think like, I would say like the, the best intimacy with the Lord is when you're walking through the valley and no one wants to be in the valley. You're always, mm -hmm. you always want to be on the mountaintop, but I think when you are in those mountaintop moments or times of life, you can look back in the valley and see your walk with the Lord and how it strengthened you um, and grew your faith and grew mm -hmm. your relationship with him. And you can be like, there's something oddly enough that like I want back about the valley. Like there's that mm -hmm. intimacy and that rawness yeah. of walking with him that I think we forget when we're out of it. So I would just say double down on um, your time with God, on your own personal relationship. And then it's a great chance to just get involved in your community. And whether that's like serving at a church or going to join a young adult group or a campus ministry, whatever that might look like. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a really good time to go, go invest in that when distractions are lessened. Yeah. And also leaning in and pressing into your relationship with God, but also like lean in and press into the relationships that you have with the people in your life, because it's so easy, especially in this time to want to isolate, to want, you want to just curl up and not talk to anybody. You don't want to let people in because being vulnerable is scary. And I mean, but that's like the most, one of the most dangerous things you can do is continue to isolate yourself. Um, because then you're not making strides to getting to the point where you want to be because you dream about where you want to be. You dream about how you want to get through this disappointment or whatever it is that you're experiencing. You're like, ah, I just want to get there. I can kind of see it, but how do I get there? Um, I feel like that goes in hand in hand with what you're saying too. It's just, you can't, you have to lean in yeah. to, to you God. You have to face it. You yeah. can't just run from it. Yeah. Which is so easy and easy. Like, Easier said than done, too, obviously, leaning into to the, to those things, because like I said, being vulnerable is scary sometimes. And yeah. um, then you, you also realize like who the people, those 30 plus, 30 years plus, like those people are, because they're the people who aren't going to get scared and run away because you tell them something hard that you're experiencing or something you did or something that happened or whatever. They're going to they're going to stick by your side even more. Something that I always like say to my friends who are sharing things with me and maybe we're like, Oh, maybe this is too much. I don't know. But I'm like fully known, fully loved because the more that you know, somebody good. that's a friendship or marriage. Like the more that I know about you, even the things that you think are gross and ugly and too scary to share. Like those are the things that make me love you 10 times more. So, yeah, that's so good. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What's like, I just want to lean into one last question. It's like kind of the power of an invitation. Like I just want the listener to know that every single person, whether you're scared to live out your faith, you're scared to say yes. Like we're all one invitation away from saying yes to Jesus. We don't know who that person could be. So just the extension of an invitation into our home, into our community, into our church, into our life group, into our Bible study, into a relationship with, whether it's a friendship or a future spouse, like I don't know, but Every person is one invitation away from something. It could be going back to the clubs. It could be going back to a former lifestyle. It could be a substance like you touched on. Could you each share like the power of one invitation aside from your relationship with Jesus Christ? But, or you can even say that. You can do whatever you want, I guess. But uh, the power of an invitation that you've been able to extend or receive and what did that outcome look like? Yeah. I had an immediate one come to my mind. Uh, when I was in college, I ran into an old high school friend who invited me to a small group. And I was very much living a one foot in, one foot out type of life. And I was like, gosh, I really do not want to go to the small group every Monday night. The people aren't like me and we don't have much in common and whatnot. And I walked in there the first night and the way that these guys knew the Bible, I was like, just astonished. I was like, okay, these are like some really solid guys. And then a couple months later, there was going to be a conference down in Minneapolis that they're like, Hey, do you want to come to this? 
And again, my gut reaction is like, no, I, re I really don't want to. Like I have my friends in town here that I want to hang out with and do these things. Uh, but I feel like you can't say no to a God thing. And that was actually Josiah where I got to meet you was at that conference just through a couple mm -hmm. of yeses and a couple of invitations. And now it's turned into a beautiful friendship and mentorship and yeah. just two people that get to walk alongside me and my wife and encourage us. And mm -hmm. so that was like the receiving end of that's awesome invitation that transformed my life. That was when I said yes to Christ and decided to uh, start pursuing him and following him and seeing what life with him was all about. Yeah. The thing I think that comes to my mind is probably, so my freshman year of college, um, my my roommate, who is still one of my best friends to this day, um, we became friends very fast, but she was not a Christ follower. She would say herself now that she considered herself an atheist then. Um, just grew up with very different views and beliefs on religion and like what Christianity should be or what she thought it was. Um, and I was, I was very sensitive to that, but I still was like, all right, how can I like invite her? Maybe not to, she was, I've tried inviting her to church. And at first she's like, man, I don't, I don't really think so. But even just inviting her into like having certain conversations about, um, about faith, like what that looks like to me and not like a, a push, because I feel like people's, people's worry in, inviting people to things is like offending them or um being too pushy or whatever so they can make it their like excuse to not invite anybody so I was like okay how can I instead like just invite her to have just conversations that just end up connecting us as friends um and build a relationship to then invite her to come with me to things or um things like that and in the midst of all this, I was just praying so much like, Lord, would, would she come to know you? Like, you know, what's going to happen. You know, her heart, you know, what she, you know, her, her hurts and all the things that need to be mended and this to happen. Um, and I just kept slowly inviting her into, into different conversations, um, different parts of my life that would kind of open up like what a life with Jesus actually looks like and what it can look like and what that means for you. And, I, it took longer than I would have hoped because, you know, when you start praying for something and you're like, all right, Lord, when's this going to happen? Like I've been praying a long time. Um, but I feel like as much as it was an invitation for her to, to join me in this, it was also an invitation for me to step into like praying for something and being persistent in prayer. Like, okay, God's like, I'm giving you another invitation to come to me with this. And even though, you're getting tired of doing that. Maybe it's just one more time. And um, one of the, like the first couple months of our sophomore year, we ended up living together again. Um, she came into our dorm and was bawling her eyes out. And she was like, I found God tonight. And I was like, all right, I'm crying now too. And just like, just started telling this beautiful testimony of like what had happened to her and just how she, um, realized like she can't do a life without God. And now like she works for ministry and loves the Lord and um, has great, beautiful Christ-centered friendships and relationships. And so I feel like as much of it, as it was an invitation, me extending an invitation to her, I, I recognize that it was also God extending an invitation to me mm -hmm. to, to press into something. And even though sometimes it takes a while, like it's just one more time, maybe. Yeah. One yeah. More time. Yeah, man, my gosh, I uh, I think that in my life, God has shown himself some of the most faithful mm -hmm. through um, answered prayers. And it's like every answered prayer, whether it's like specifically I'm inviting this friend or I'm, I'm knocking on heaven's door and just praying this friend into the kingdom. And every time he does it, I'm like shocked and I'm like surprised. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or like, even now, like we just had one last week or two where we've been praying for something and, and like, we got an email that we have never heard of this group. We have ne not a chance. They, they said they scoured the internet and God led them to us. And I was just like, we did nothing that was so undeserved, so unearned. And then we're, but we're, we've been praying for this exact thing. Yeah. And it's, it's just like God surprises us yeah. <laughs> and uh, what a beautiful prayer to, 
to pray is for friends to enter the kingdom, for God to surprise us. And Mm -hmm. to something you said earlier too, Sam, it's like nobody's really booking tickets with a travel agent to the valley. (laughs) It's like those, those would be super discounted rates. Like you could, I mean, you might be able to get a two for one to to the valley because nobody's, it's not like desirable. Um, but, but I mean, that's where we meet God. And, and I would just say for the listener, you are invited into God's promise for your life. One of our favorite verses is first Thessalonians five twenty four: the God who calls you, the God who calls you is faithful and he will also do it. And so it isn't our own merit or what we earn or deserve. It's actually the, the mind blowing part of everyone who enters hell and everyone who enters heaven, we've heard it said that nobody in either place believes that they got what they deserved. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that you are invited into God's story and our hope for you as the listener today is that right where you're at, God would meet you with his faithfulness, that you'd see him in this season of, of singleness, that you would discover his faithfulness and in marriage you discover his faithfulness and to something that Madison said earlier too like if we're not careful life could become this rat race of monotonous chasing the wind because you're always chasing this elusive destination of what's next and and to wake up today and realize this is the day the lord's made Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad because I get to, I don't have to, this is an honor. I get to, right. and we're fired up. You guys, it's so great to talk to you. We could talk for hours. We really could. Um, so much fun. <laughs> well, thank you once again, Madison and Sam. We are thrilled that you were able to join us. And for those of you who listen to the FYI podcast, if there is a burning question on your heart that you want us to unpack and lead back to scripture, please let us know, direct message us. If this is a podcast that you're enjoying, rate, review, subscribe, let us know how we're doing and invite a friend along in the journey. So thank you so much for tuning in. This is the FYI podcast.